Welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, October 25th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my very tired neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Very tired and now very frazzled, thanks to some technical difficulties, which are making the audio worse than it should be. Let's just leave it at that. Yes, Max is on the Zoom audio for this episode of the podcast, uh, but we'll power through the technical difficulties and some dinner opportunities and we'll jump into the sporting world it was a busy weekend of sports maybe not the best one especially for us here in toronto but and and continuing did not be such a great monday in the sports world in toronto but here we are nonetheless as always um, we give more effort maybe than, uh, than our teams do, and we're going to keep powering through and give you the, the product that you all deserve as listeners that um, we were wishing and hoping that sports could provide for you. <laughs> we'll kick it off with some football fan cave. We got some basketball, some hockey, um, and then we'll wrap things up nice and short today, but that's the beauty of doing two podcasts a week now less content to break down, which means we can really make it short and sweet, get to the point, um, touch on all the things we really, really want to talk about and dive in a little bit deeper than we have been able to in just the one a week episodes. So without further ado, our football fan cave begins. Uh, And I want to start by saying, I honestly knew it was going to be a terrible weekend in sports for me when the Denver Broncos who obviously everyone, every team in the NFL has some injuries, but uh, Denver has a couple to their offense and uh, they go up against a beaten and broken Cleveland Browns team, missing their starting quarterback, missing a couple key pieces on the defense, missing both of their starting running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And at home, Denver favored, can't get it done lose 17 to 14 on Thursday night football to the Cleveland Browns. They have now dropped four in a row. This team is not good. So it's tank season. Maybe we can actually get a quarterback this time. Um, And yeah, so great bummer start to the weekend for me. And it kept rolling as we'll talk about later, but I'll jump into some of the Sunday action that we saw yesterday. And the two biggest storylines are some statement wins by rising teams in the AFC against two of the more established teams in the AFC over the past couple of years, the Tennessee Titans throttle the Kansas city chiefs. Um, The chiefs only score three points in the game. Patrick Mahomes looks lost out there. Quite frankly, it's, it was really startling and the chiefs now three and four and the Titans uh, moving up a spot in the AFC and and they've won two in a row now against the bills and the chiefs who everyone had pegged as number one and two in the AFC coming into the season. Derek Henry is a monster. He didn't have his biggest game today, but had some important moments and threw a little jump pass. They love to pull that one out once in a while. And it, the panic button's going off in Kansas city. I mean, they've been, 
deep, deep in the playoffs, three years in a row now, two Super Bowls in a row they've appeared in and in an AFC championship game. And at a certain point, that really catches up to a team. Um, football is a very punishing sport to go deep into seasons, and this might have to be a reset year for them. They cannot do anything that they've been able to do previously on offense. Uh, teams are taking away their deep shots, and Mahomes is – less inclined to really dink and dunk down the field. Something that Tom Brady is so excellent at is just take it, being comfortable in what the defense gives him. And Mahomes, I think, still has to take that next step to really ascend into the all-time conversation of quarterbacks. And he hasn't been able to do that this year. They cannot run the ball at all. And their defense is Swiss cheese. And it's shown up now um, all seven games of the season, really. Like this Chiefs team probably could be five and two, but they could also be one and six uh, with with some of the performances they put together. So a really shocking result. And Kansas City's in a, a whole world of trouble here. The other big statement win, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, yes, that's right. The Cincinnati Bengals who had the fifth overall pick in this year's draft and the first overall pick two drafts ago are now the number one seed in the AFC, beating the Baltimore Ravens in convincing fashion. Um, they beat them by 30 points. Jamar Chase, the, their rookie, has already pretty much established himself as the offensive rookie of the year. He's on pace to break Randy Moss's rookie season receiving yards record. Obviously, there's an extra game in the 17-game season now, but nonetheless, a really, really impressive season so far for Jamar Chase. And he took a slant route through three guys and then to the house, really impressive stuff. And Joe Burrow standing in there taking contact and Cincinnati fans drink it all in because the, these moments are few and far between for this franchise. And it, it's a big win for them. And they've got the jets next, next week, which could be a potential trap game, but also an opportunity for them to continue to add to their lead now in the AFC race. So two big uh, heavyweights fall. And besides that, really uneventful Sunday. Um, the only one game finished within one score, everything else, a lot of blowouts. I was really happy I hit on a Tennessee New York Giants money line parlay plus 568 was a great pick there that week and besides that if you were betting on the favorites you were doing well the rams uh, um, get off to a slow start in the first quarter the detroit lions do an onside kick and a fake punt uh and we're up 10 nothing in the first quarter against the rams and everyone was scrambling frightened for all of their picks that they put in but LA comes back, Cooper Cup, another monster day. He's my top fantasy performer of the weekend with 37.6 fantasy points, and he leads the league now in receiving yards and in receiving touchdowns. Really impressive stuff from him. And the Rams come back and beat the Lions, who are now 0-7, but you feel like they're just so close to getting that first win. They're really pushing teams to the break week after week, but just can't break through. <laughs> Uh, in other news, Arizona stays undefeated. Another slow start for a team down five, nothing to the Texans. And the Texans were getting guys blitzing and getting to Kyler Murray. He took a couple big shots, but in the end, the Cardinals end up beating them. I think it was like 31 to five. <laughs> so Texans didn't score after the first half of the first quarter of the game and Tampa Bay obliterates Chicago. So some really big wins 
for teams. And once again, uh, Vegas taking some big hits in their money because it has been a while since the public has won like this consistently and they keep betting on the favorites and the favorites keep coming through. So that, those are really the big stories of the weekend. Obviously, uh, tonight we've got the Saints and the Seahawks going on right now. Jameis Winston versus Geno Smith is not the marquee matchup that I ever wanted to see. It's twice in a row now that Seattle's been in a primetime game without Russell Wilson. And this team, this could be a bit of a loser-leaves-town match at, at this rate. Looking at... My other sleeper fantasy performer, and this really bummed me out. Luckily, I still won my fantasy matchup this week, but Damian Harris had 25.3 points, and he's really turned it on after a slow start to the season. Big rushing day as the Patriots put up a 50-burger on the New York Jets. Um, Tough. He was on my bench, but luckily still got that dub in fantasy. And Looking forward to next week where we have maybe the best Thursday night game of the year so far, the Green Bay Packers taking on the Arizona Cardinals, the undefeated Arizona Cardinals, welcoming Aaron Rodgers to Arizona. Uh, Should be a great game there. And then we feed right into a Sunday that features the Patriots and the Chargers. Should be a fun one. Justin Herbert had his Worst game of the season last year against the Patriots defense, so he'll be looking to rectify that. We've also got a battle for the AFC South uh, in Indianapolis versus Tennessee. Should be a good one. This is a letdown game maybe for the Titans after two huge emotional wins over the Bills and the Chiefs, and now they get to take on their rival who is on the upswing as well. Um, Indianapolis has now won three in a row after – getting off to a really slow start uh, to the season. And then finally, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New Orleans Saints. This could be a potential battle for first in the NFC South, depending on the outcome of the Saints game tonight. They could be four and two going into that game. Um, And this is a rematch of last year's divisional round game between the Buccaneers and the Saints, where uh, a, a turning point of turnovers really helped the Bucks get past the Saints and towards that championship game and then into the Super Bowl. So looking forward to that rematch. It'll be a little different now with Jameis Winston instead of Drew Brees, but a couple good ones coming up next week. After a pretty slow week, there are six teams on bye weeks this week. A couple fun teams too weren't playing. So hoping that next week of NFL action is a lot more exciting and should be good uh, on Halloween. We'll get some interesting costumes in the stands for sure. I know what you're going to talk about on Thursday's pod, though, now that you've gone through your preview. <clears throat> yeah, maybe I'll, uh, I'll jump into those games in greater detail, uh, or we could get a little bit of live reaction of that Packers-Cardinals game. There'll, be, there'll always be NFL news to talk about. I'm not worried. All right, moving on then. All right, we're into basketball storylines. Uh, the first bit here, the NBA 75 list released. Um, so this is 25 years after the NBA 50 uh, list released. And all 50 of those players who had previously made the top 50 made this list. And then they added on some uh, newer players. And then a couple guys who are just missing the top 50 on the previous list. Uh, and most of the obvious names you assume there some guys from way, way back that you just can't argue against more so now um, because of their impact on the way the game went, as opposed to their actual statistical contributions. And 
you're just relying on a lot of anecdotes about how they were far ahead of their time in terms of play, but so you can't really argue for them to be off the list. Uh, but some of the newer guys include LeBron, of course, Kobe, Steph, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook made the list. Um, James Harden as well. Kyrie Irving was on the list, but then wasn't. I'm not sure if we're ever going to hear about what happened there. Uh, but the, the two big names, I think, that got the most buzz about being left off the list were Clay Thompson and Dwight Howard, um, especially Dwight Howard, given that he made five first All-NBA teams in a row and was the most dominant center of that kind of five- to six-year period where he was at his peak. Did uh, Nash and Curry make it? Yes, sir. Nice. I did hear a lot about uh, Howard being off the list. And the explanation I heard most was just, if he wasn't still playing, he probably would have made the list. Did uh, Vince Carter make it? I don't think so. Huh. I mean, he was always more of an entertainer. Like, yeah. He, obviously an incredible player. Tracy McGrady didn't make the list either. Uh, both of those guys... Um, incredible players, incredible athletes, but never really had the postseason success to really yeah. back up their career. Howard's got that one finals run, eh? Yeah. And also just the defensive stuff as well, yeah. like leading the league in blocks and rebounds. He, he was really, really dominant um, during his, his run there. And I think when it's all said and done, they'll look back and maybe think that they made a mistake. Uh, but until then, I think one of the reasons is a lot, not a lot of people like Dwight Howard, which could be one of the reasons why he didn't get enough votes, right? It's not an objective thing. Um, even though you have this crowdsourcing of votes, there's always going to be people's opinions that fall into it. Um, so just interesting to see there. Yeah, poor Superman. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Clay Thompson, there's a video came out. He was working out in a uh, jersey with the number 77 on it <laughs> that Steph and Draymond got for him, 77th best player in NBA history. Nice. That was a good little moment there. Speaking of the Warriors, I guess we'll jump into this next. Max, the three teams that are 3-0 and in the NBA, we already did this with the NHL, are the Chicago Bulls, the Charlotte Hornets, and the Golden State Warriors. Wow. So the Hornets beat the Nets on yesterday. I believe so, if that was who they played. That was. I didn't get to watch it, but I had that. It was on TSN, but I missed it. Uh, yeah. The only non-surprise to me there is the Bulls. I picked them like fourth in the East, I think. And they had a red-hot preseason. But talk to me about the Hornets, the Warriors. What's going on? Yeah, so... I mean, the big thing about all three of these teams is the creativity and diversity they have offensively now. Um, of course, with the Bulls, you get scoring from everywhere. They're, they're the one team that maybe you draw back a little bit because two of their wins were against the Detroit Pistons. Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> but they, it looks like so much fun. Uh, Lonzo Ball throwing lobs to Alex Caruso, DeRozan <laughs> doing his thing. Um Zach Levine, of course, is, I think he dropped in the high 30s that very first night. Like They're going to score a ton, and in the regular season, that's going to lead to wins. Uh, with the Hornets and the Warriors, 
it, the ball just moves so well on these teams, man. It zips around. LaMelo has already shown that he's looking to take a step this year, draining some huge deep threes um, and always moving the ball really well. It snaps around. Gordon Hayward is the glue that keeps this team together. Uh, and they've gotten off to a hot start. And it was a relatively large win against the Nets, beating them by 16 and yeah, this Hornets team, the one thing that I noticed last year is they like playing with each other and they play with a ton of intensity and cohesiveness when Hayward and Ball are the guys really driving the offense and getting everyone to their right spots. There might be people who could score a little bit better or do other things a little bit better than those two guys, but they really keep the team gelled and and moving the ball together. Uh, so really impressed with them. And then with the Warriors, Steph's individual brilliance finally has that support. We already talked about it on the first pod, but he's getting more contributions from Poole, from Damian Lee, from Wiggins. Uh, Kevon Looney's even doing a little bit more. Um, and, and this team is has got off to a great start because the ball zips around and they actually play with a ton of intensity. This was a team last year that ended up in the top 10 in defense in the NBA, um, which is surprising, but they do compete and they've got active hands, and when Kevon Looney's in the game, or even if he's out and you've got Draymond at the five, they switch a ton, and they just stop a ton of paint penetration by keeping guys in front of them, something the Raps could learn a thing or two about, uh, and, and they get stops, and then in transition, if you lose track of Steph for a second, he's going to hit a three, um, and it's a great start to the season for them with some big wins. Uh, over the Lakers, of course, being a signature one. Um, but as well, they beat the Clippers. And then I, I believe they beat the Kings last night, which maybe not as impressive, but the Kings are a team, of course, that are looking to make the playoffs for the first time in 15, 16 years, maybe longer than that. So uh, they're going to hu- be hungry every game. And it's it's a great start for Gold State. Yeah, two things, I guess. Keep with the Warriors first. Just talking about those stats last year, if you're the top in top 10 in defense in the league and you have the number one scorer on your team in the league uh, and you're a middle of barely scraping playoffs team, like the hole is pretty obvious in that, like that number one scorer is not getting the offensive support needed because that's the only way to explain not having healthy success. So if his production keeps up, that defense keeps up, and the rest of the team is stepping up to the level where it needs to be, that's a pretty complete team right there. And for the Hornets, the thing that jumped out at me was just, uh, I was flashing back a little to the draft where Lamelo was talked about this guy who the shooting was the biggest kind of perceived hole in the game where if not for that, he was a without a doubt number one pick and to still go at number three and be a potential number one pick with that hole in your game speaks to like how amazing a player he could be if that shooting develops as some people were hopeful it could. And it has (laughs) at least the early returns are that it has, um, yeah, so much more already than the Hornets could have imagined. Really successful start. It looks like the Chicago Bulls are going to be the first team to 4-0. Uh, They're up 12 on the Raptors here at the end of the third quarter. All four of their guys, Vucevic, DeRozan, Levine, and Ball, all in double figures on the night. 
actually all of them 15 plus points in this game. Um, on the other side, OG with 17, six and five, Fred Van Vliet with 14 assists, Gary Trent, the leading scorer with 18 points, Scotty Barnes with nine and three, put in a good effort, but it's going to be a bit tough to claw back 12 points down to this Chicago Bulls team that when it gets down to crunch time, they've got two or three really reliable options that they can go to. Whereas when the game slows down, the Raptors really have, have struggles. And that's kind of what I wanted to jump into next here with uh, a massive, really fun win against the Boston Celtics on Friday where Scotty Barnes <laughs> basically bullied Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in that game. It was kind of shocking to see how much energy he came out with. And I think the Celtics, like I said, it was a great spot for the Raptors. A little exhausted from that double OT game to start the season. They come home for their home opener and just look lifeless. Uh, and Scotty with 25 and 13 in that game. Really, really impressive stuff. Um, a couple nice dunks and plays in transition. And, and Gary Trent Jr. and Precious Achua were great supporting players in that game. Precious really active in transition and, and Gary Trent um, as well, not settling for jumpers. He was attacking the rim as well. And, and the Raptors just dominated the Celtics in every hustle stat category. Points in the paint, second chance points, offensive rebounds, steals, blocks. They beat them in all facets of the game. And that's always going to lead to success. And that's the way these Raptors are going to have to win is with the defense, and with the intensity. Because as they showed in their next game against the Dallas Mavericks, they started off really well. The pace was fast. They were moving. They had this big lead. And then Dallas slowed it right down in the third quarter. And they're a team that normally likes to play at the higher pace. But Luka picked the Raptors apart. Uh, and then the Raptors just could not score in the half-court set. Really, really struggling. Dallas has a pretty tall and long team as well. Um, and we're switching on everything. And, and Fred and Scotty and OG were having trouble beating bigger guys off of the dribble uh and and that was leading to a stagnating offense and they end up dropping that one and it looks like they may start the season one and three uh and like i said in the first pod this raptor season is going to be watching for flashes of potential taking pride in the steps that guys take and the fun moments that are had and the intensity and the the fun 25 point outbursts from scotty from time to time but overall a team that's going to struggle to score unless Pascal can come back and, and be what he was two years ago. And, and a team that unless they bring a hundred percent every night, it's not going to be a great result. Uh, last thing I want to touch on another rookie with a great performance, Jalen green in just his third game scores 30 points uh, for the Houston Rockets in a loss uh, we, we may hear that a lot this season. He had eight threes, was eight for eight at one point from three, and then two monster dunks late in the game. They were down 15, but he just took off and threw down these really athletic dunks. Jason Tatum had to get out of his way both times. Um, Rockets oh. lose, but he's going to be a fun dude to watch uh, for years and years to come. He looks like he's already ready for this NBA game. And who knows if the G league helped him with that, but really explosive and looks right at home there against professional athletes. Tatum getting bullied by all the rookies this season. eh? I guess so. And feeling good about that rookie of the year pick so far then. Oh yeah, for sure. He's definitely already the, 
the favorite. And he mentioned in his early season interviews, he wanted it. He wants that rookie of the year. I guess the last guy I want to touch on, it wasn't in our notes here, but John Morant, man, I was watching some of the highlights, Max. I might have to send them to you. Some of these clips from the Lakers game last night, they lose by one. He misses the free throw to tie the game, which is tough, but he had 40 and 10 in that game. Um, the first Memphis Grizzlies player in their franchise history to have 40 and 10 in a game. And some of the assists and the buckets he was scoring were spectacular. So I'm going to send you those clips when we're done with this. Uh, I love the fact that I have a jaw Vancouver Grizzlies jersey might be my favorite jersey right now. He's just so, so fun to watch and taking it to another level this year as the Grizzlies off to a good start, tough loss to the Lakers, but I think they are two and one to start or three and one. Um, they're doing quite well. That'll do it for basketball storylines. We'll finish up here with talking hockey. Um, before we get to the, uh, the, yeah, let's, Seattle Kraken, they lose their home opener, uh, but the venue looks spectacular. It's uh, the first self-sustainable arena in, in, I think, North American professional sports. It, the ice is made off of collected rainwater. Um, they've got this like ivy wall that runs up the side. It really impressive windows and, and it's just an amazing arena. And the crowd was rocking already showing like Vegas in their first season that this is going to be a tough team to play against at home and a team that is going to draw fans and get the city excited for uh, professional NHL hockey and looks like a good decision decision early on from the NHL to move uh, here and, and add a team. Unfortunately, they lose to the Canucks, but there are going to be many more exciting moments in the uh, in the crack house for years to come. And it had to be Seattle. Yeah. All right. The Toronto Maple Leafs had to save this basically for last in the show, but I might be opting out of the NHL this season, to be quite honest. Oh, I have... It's early. I... It's early this season, but this is following a season where they lost th up 3-1 to the Canadians, which followed a season where they lost a deciding Game 5 against the Columbus Blue Jackets, which followed the season where they lost Game 7 to the Bruins being up 3-2, which followed a season where they were up. I get your point. Yeah. Like, how many times in a row does – where I just – I feel like I need a break <laughs> and – Yeah, this 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 team, it's just there's no life. They look like the Celtics looks against the Raptors on Friday. You go into a game in Pittsburgh, given it's a back-to-back, -back, but you're playing a team with no Malkin, no Crosby, no Latang, no Brian Rust. They have guys you've never heard of on their second line, and they simply get outworked. <laughs> there's so much talent. This thing, one of the things that you might struggle to enjoy about the NHL is that maybe there's too much parity in the league where you can put together an AHL team essentially and they could beat a team that supposedly is one of the best in the league, but I guess not. There's just no heart. And I don't know if it's the pressure or they're not built for the moment or they just play down to other teams. They just we can't seem we can't seem to find the answers. And it's embarrassing. And 
Quick start tonight against Carolina. Matthews scores early, and they're down 3-1. Well, that monkey's off the back at least. For him, but we know he's going to score. It's who else? They have – I saw a chart. They have the worst expected goals – out of anyone in the league, and it's not even close. They average 9.9 less goals on scoring chances than an average team. Like on the stats through four or five games this season? I don't know what the sample size is, but I just saw the chart and I was like, of course. They generate all these shots, but there's never, they don't, they just float around the outside. There's no real scoring chances that come from this team. You can just tell. And everyone's saying, oh, they're playing, they're getting a ton of shots. It'll come, it'll come. But it, it doesn't. Like how many, and this is, I, I watched Steve Dangle the other day. He made a fantastic point. Like how often versus other teams do the Leafs get goalied or the goalie has a out-of-body experience against them? Like it can't be a coincidence that's always against the Leafs, right? You could say that they play up, they want to beat them badly. Or maybe it's the style of play it just allows a ton of shots. But then at the end of the night, the stats look great because he, oh, he stopped 39 of 40. But out of the 39, one, two of them were high danger. Like, I, mm, from what I've seen, I disagree with that and say we really are that cursed that every night goalies figure out how to come across the crease and flash the leather like three, four times consistently show off puck tracking through like four bodies. That doesn't make sense that like we often are generating four five, six, like very plausible should have been a goal chances. So I do feel that cursed. I just need more guys who care. And that's easy for me to say sitting at home, but just doesn't look like they're engaged all 60 minutes of this game. And it's tough. Because yeah. that's all that's all we want as fans. We at least want them to try and to and to basically put it all out there every night. Yeah. So we play Frederick Anderson tonight, who's 4-0 with a 1.75 goals against and a 944 save percentage leading the league in those departments oh of course Oh my god knife directly in my jugular please um and then as an exciting little treat as if we needed another team to just brutalize us we play the winless chicago blackhawks who have all of their crap that's happening in that organization you know what would be nice oh the leafs are up on the schedule can't wait to get our first win of the season and, and dummy them it just set me up as a dumbing, as the mannequin, douse me in gasoline, light me on fire, throw me off the building, through the <laughs> through the vines and all of the trash compactors. That's how it feels. <laughs> There's always some dark spots and always some bright spots in the leaf season. This is looking early like one of those dark spots, but I I have faith this team. Really. Are there any bright spots? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Like Matthew won the Rocket Richard last season. We were absolutely crunching it on the power play, and we led our division for the entire season. Did anyone care? During the season, I cared. I was happy. Yeah, I don't know. 
Look, I, I think we're, we've just been stuck trying to get past the same or in between the same goalposts for so long that you become blind and insensitive to everything else. And when we do something good, we don't notice it. And if we do something bad that moves us further away from those goalposts, then yeah, we do notice it. So I think it is a bit of a thankless task for this team right now. <laughs> and it will be. I, until until they win a playoff series, yeah. I have no faith. Yeah. And that's not an unreasonable, it's your experience as a Leafs fan that's brought you to this position. So it's hard to disagree with that point of view. Yeah. Just like, if, if we're here on rock bottom, we're just walking and I feel like we just keep hitting a rock and get dragged over it and then keep going and just hit the next rock in the bottom. <laughs> it's never, we're not floating to the top. We just hit the next rock. It's not like we're going down. We're just hitting all the rocks at the bottom consistently. <laughs> I think my earliest and most consistent memories as a Leafs fan are, wouldn't it be so great to be in the playoffs? So going from that era to an era where we have been a consistent playoff team, it's something to be thankful for. And I think it's above rock bottom. And I do enjoy the illusion of hope, at least. I do like how we've almost traded places here. You are typically more the pessimistic one of the two. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy that I have this perspective here to keep me grounded because, yeah, I'm very close to just not watching this year. I actually am just a devil's advocate and most people <laughs> around me are optimists. It's just you take the, you just like to short everyone's opinions. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad spot to be. Welcome to our podcast. Yeah. Just as long as you, you do that around the right people, some people will just hate you for it. Yep. Be like that. All right. Uh, tomorrow night, Max, who's playing in the World Series? Uh, the Braves and the Astros. Nice. He has been paying attention. World mm -hmm. Series gets underway tomorrow. Uh, game one between the Braves and the Astros. You are correct. And uh, Chop City, baby. We're going to go for the Braves because Alex Anthopoulos, former Blue Jays GM, leading that team to a World Series berth, something he couldn't do with us, although we got close. Um, and, yeah, just cannot have the Astros win. That would be the worst thing that could happen for baseball. So go Atlanta. There's a, there's a city that needs some success. Obviously, Trey Young did some great stuff last season, but uh, of course with the Falcons <laughs> being as cursed as they have been and the Braves and the Hawks haven't had playoff success in the last decade or so until now. So they could use a good sports moment uh, and we'll see what happens in that. But that's going to do it for this one. Thanks everyone so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to give you an update about what's gone on in the sports world this week. And I'm looking forward to it, Max. Get 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 a nice big rest tonight, and uh, make sure you stretch it out a little bit. Have some uh, have some carbs. Load up. Take care of yourself. <laughs> yes, sir. Sports Next Door signing off. <laughs>